How's it going, everyone? I'm your host, Luis Mueller. Unfortunately, Carson is back at school, and we're on winter break, so I'm back in Jersey, and that means he won't be joining me for this episode of Loaded Talk. But this is our season finale, so this episode might be a little longer than usual. I have to get it out to you. It's the last episode of the season one, and I'm going to be covering the Dodgers acquiring Corey Knable, some names I think are key in the t- non-tender list, and finishing the seasonal tier list Finally, it's been so long since we started the seasonal tier list, and it was supposed to end, I think, last week. But with Carson in California, I wanted to get his actual opinions on um, on all of the tiers and see what he got. So I asked him the other day, and he gave it to me. If I could find it, okay, yeah, yeah, I found them. All right, perfect. Um, so let's get started with the Los Angeles Dodgers, and he. Him, them getting Corey Knable. So they lost Blake Trinan, right? They lost Blake Trinan to free agency, and they go out, and they get another key uh, reliever in their bullpen, Corey Knable. So in 2020, he struggled a little bit. He had 13.1 innings pitched. He had a 6.08 ERA and a whip of 1.725, and that leaves him with an ERA plus of 76 so that's a really bad year, okay? That that's just point blank a terrible year for Corey Knable. But he just came back from I believe it was Tommy John. He he was out all year in 2019, and I don't know. I just think that in 2018 and 2017 were great years for him. I mean, he had a 3.5 5, 8, excuse me, 3.58 ERA in 2018. With a whip of 1.084 and an ERA plus of 115. And then in 2017, an even better year, probably this is his career year, with an ERA of 1.78, a whip of 1.158, and an ERA plus of 248. Probably not the best in the league, but one of the best ones in the league. So with that being said, I think I think you're going to get some good production out of Corey Canelo. I think last year was just a fluke. Uh, he only had two years that were above a five-year array, and it was his rookie season with only 8.2 innings pitched, and then this year were only 13. So again, small sample sizes. Um, in his career year, he had 76 innings pitched. So with the Dodgers, I think they're going to be able to, um, I guess, give him some more breaks, uh, put him in less stressful situations. Because with the Brewers, yes, their bullpen is great. They have Devin Williamson. They have Josh Hader. But they still relied on Corey Knable pretty heavily. But the Dodgers are a little different. I mean, their bullpen has always been one of the worst parts of their team. But as you saw in the World Series, that was one of their strengths. They, Whenever they got in trouble early, they went to Julio Urias, who was a long relief pitcher. They went to... Um, Oh, uh, what was the guy's name? Uh, something Fernandez. I, I I forgot his name. Dodgers relief. I can't believe I forgot his name. Relief pitchers 2020. Oh, and Dustin May was a long relief guy for them. I mean, it was ridiculous to be honest. Where else? It was. He he was he was a no name, and he came out and he pitched amazing. He pitched amazing. It was actually a really good. Uh, pick up from them because he I don't even think he was on a team at the time Fernandez no it's Fernandez um no I can't find it I don't think it's Pablo Hernandez I'm not sure anyway but there was another guy and he was a lefty and he was was he a lefty? Yeah, I think he was a lefty. Bruce Dargrado was another one. Anyway, Kenley Jansen, like, their bullpen stacked, right? They're just a stacked team in general, and adding Corey Knable is going to make them even better. Um, and I just think that Knable is a good pickup. I'm he, Like I said, he had a bad year last year, but I think that was a fluke. He was getting used to pitching in the MLB again. He just came back from injury. Um, so I think out of out of Corey Knable, what you're going to get, he's going to be more of a middle three ERA guy, maybe a four ERA guy. He won't be a setup. He won't be a closer for you, but he will definitely be a good middle relief pitcher. Someone, if you're blowing someone out just to throw in, or if you're getting blown out to throw in and just eat up some innings, he's going to be a good pickup for the Dodgers and it's going to make their bullpen better. I think Trinan might've been a little bit of a better pitcher, but with Knable's stats from last year and his injury uh, in 2018, excuse me, 2019, you're going to probably get him from cheap, for cheaper because Blake Trennan just had a really good year. So it was a good pickup for the Dodgers. And I just think overall they 
they played that really well, letting Blake try and walk and then go over to, uh, and then go over to um, Corey Knable. and they only gave up cash. They traded for Knable. and they traded cash, what they have plenty of, and uh, a player to be named later, which usually doesn't mean much unless you're the Tampa Bay Rays and the player to be named later is Randy Rosarena. But that's, but the Dodgers are not, excuse me, the Brewers are not the Tampa Bay Rays. They're not even close to them. So the player to be named later probably won't come out to be anything big. Um, and if it does, then that's something to talk about because that would mean that they won the trade. But if not, the Dodgers easily won this trade. It, it was, the Brewers just needed some cash and they got the cash and they got traded away one of their, I guess, up in the air relievers. Anything could happen. He could be a stud. He could be. Uh, an average MLB relief pitcher, or he could be terrible. He could be a bust. Uh, so the Dodgers want to take a chance on him because what do they have to lose? They just won a World Series. Who cares? Uh, so moving on from Knable, let's go on to the non-tender list of 2021. There was 53 non-tenders, I believe, which was, I think, a historical uh, high uh, for the MLB, and it's because of the coronavirus. A lot of teams don't have the budget to be signing all these players back to a one-year deal or what however long they wanted the contract um just with money it's it's been a main issue for this offseason it's been like the main thing uh so let's get underway we'll start at the top with Kyle Schwarber when I say these wars it's the fan graph war I got it off of MLB.com so um just remember this is the fan graphs war not the baseball reference war so Kyle Schwarber a left fielder for the Chicago Cubs last year had a 3.0 F war and he was signed to a one year seven point zero one million dollar deal and he performed awfully. Oh my god, it was a terrible year. That was the Cubs in general could not hit the ball. It wasn't just Schwarber, it was just the Cubs in general. So there's something going on in Chicago, in my opinion, that is terrible. I mean, Javier Baez played awfully. Anthony Rizzo played bad. Uh, Chris Bryant played bad. Kyle Schwarber played bad. I think the only one who played pretty well was Jason Hayward and Yu um, Darvish, who were looked at before this season as terrible contracts and a bust. But after the season, I think you could look at them as probably their the main reason why they won that division, in all honesty. Um, but his slash line, if you want to look at it, it was a 188 batting average, a 308 on base percentage, and a 393 slugging percentage. So Schwarber had awful stats, and that that's an 88 OPS plus. So he's hitting below league average. He was making seven million dollars. That's not something you're gonna want to re-sign and tender. So obviously the Cubs have to let him walk, especially since their hands are cuffed with their their budgetary constraints. Like they they have no money, they they have no money left. There there's rumors that Chris Bryant's going to be traded by the end of the offseason because they can't re-sign him next year. So they might as well get something out of him. And his value is probably at the lowest it's ever been because of after the season he had. It the Cubs are just a mess. That's that could be another episode for the next season talking about the Cubs and the mess that they have become because. Oh, they went from winning the World Series in 2016, looking like they were going to be the the best team in the league for many years to come, to just crashing, like crashing fast. 2017, okay, they were pretty strong still. 2018, I don't even think they made the playoffs. Did I, No, 2018, they were a wild card team and lost to the Brewers or the Rockies, one of the two. And that they lost to both, actually. It was a game 163. Then 2019, they didn't even make the playoffs. Like, how do you go from winning the World Series to being the cut? Like, they look terrible. I mean, the Red Sox and the Nationals also look bad. But I think the Red Sox can make some some moves here and there and be, and be back in the playoff picture. And same thing with the Nats. The Nats were just hurt this year. The Cubs have no excuse. They weren't hurt. They were just bad. They were just flat out bad. And then you lose to the Marlins in the first round. Ah, let's not get into it. I can go on a rant. Anyway, uh, a team that is looking into Kyle Schwarber is my favorite team, the New York Yankees. And for some reason, uh, they're looking into him. I have no idea what it. I I guess like yes, they need left-handed bats. That makes sense. Um, but I still don't see room for Schwarber to 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 play. Yes, a lefty in New York in Yankee Stadium is dangerous. It's probably lethal, but 
Where's he going to slot in in the lineup? He's not going to play the outfield because, I mean, you're you're going to buy him for his bat. He's going to be cheap after the year he just had. He's going to probably sign a one-year deal to, um, to, I guess, regain value. But I don't see where he could slot in in that lineup. I, Clint Frazier barely could fit in that lineup. He had a pretty good year last year. You have, listen to this outfield, you have Hicks, Judge, you might re-sign Gardner, Frazier, you have Andujar who could slot in as a DH, you have Stanton, it's just too much, it's just too much, and then you would add Schwarber, I don't see Schwarber fitting on this team unless you put him, you put him to play first, and maybe first as a platoon with Voight, but how you going to justify that after Voight just led the league in home runs? Uh, then you could say he'll platoon with Stanton. Stanton uh, will only hit against lefties and Schwarber will hit against righties. But then how are you going to justify that when you're paying Stanton, like, what, $28 million a year? It's a huge contract. Let's see. Giancarlo Stanton contract. You're paying Stanton... Um, Oh, that was a news article. I don't want to see that. Let's just look at contract details. Last year, Stanton was being paid probably around like $30 million. He has an average salary of $25 million. Last year, he was paid $26 million, and in 2029, he's on record to be paid $29 million. So how are you going to justify to your fans? They're going to play, you're going to pay Giancarlo Stanton to DH only against lefties. For $29 million. No. You, that's not justifiable. That's a waste of money. That could go anywhere else. So with Schwarber going to the Yankees, I just don't like it happening. But I could see it happening. Because they do need left-handed uh, bats in that lineup. Maybe if they drop Brett Gardner, he fits a little bit better. But let, let's see what happens with that. If they si- re-sign Brett Gardner, then there's no way Schwarber should come to New York. There's no way he could fit. There's zero spots. Zero spots. Maybe he'll play the bench role, be a uh, bat off the bench. But Schwarber's going to hate that. He would not sign that contract. It would make no sense. Moving on, we have Hanser Alberto, who had a really good year last year. Um, it was a breakout year for him, at least. It, not really good, but it was a breakout year for Hanser Alberto. He was a second baseman or a third baseman. He had a 2.5 fan graph war, and he was paid $1.65 million, so not much money at all. It's probably like one of the smallest contracts um, that we'll see in this non-tender list. Um, and his slash line was a 283 batting average, 306 on base, and a 393 slugging with an OPS plus of 91. There's no teams that are, um, there's no teams that are, I guess, interested in him at the moment. There's no rumors, but they just acquired. I mean, they just traded Jose Iglesias. I'm pretty sure. Uh, unless they acquired him. I think they just traded him. Iglesias trade. Uh, yeah, they just traded Jose Iglesias to the Angels. And then they non-tended Hanser Roberto. So I don't know who's going to be playing the middle infield there. Uh, but it's looking kind of glim for the Baltimore Orioles. They have nobody playing there. Maybe, maybe they were trying to get him for cheaper. And seeing and telling him that he's not going to get a lot of money from other teams, but I don't think it's a smart move. Maybe they're trying to tank more. I don't know. Weird move by the the Baltimore Orioles. They could have signed him to a one year deal and then traded him if he was a a, a good piece for a playoff team for depth. But uh, instead, they just let him walk for nothing. Uh, next is Eddie Rosario. He's one of my favorite players on this list because I'm a little biased. He was on the Puerto Rico uh, World Baseball Classic team in, what was it, 2017, I believe, 2018, something like that. Anyway, he was on the World Baseball Classic team for Puerto Rico, and he played really well, and he was being paid one, for one year, he was being paid $7.75 million, which is a lot of money for the production he gave out. Um, He had a pretty good OPS plus, but his slash line, his batting average, I mean, batting average is an overrated stat, I know, but... I would want maybe a 270-280 average from someone getting paid seven and a half, seven uh, three quarters million dollars. 
Um, he had a 257 batting average, a 316 on base, and a 476 slugging, which is pretty good. And his OPS plus was a 115, so he was just above league average. And there's the I mean, if you're the Twins, it makes sense. Why pay him 7.7 million? Why pay him 7.75 million dollars when you're already a great offensive team? They're one of the best offensive teams in the in the league, so you don't need him. Technically, you don't need him. It would be nice to have him, but you technically don't need him. You could pick up uh, maybe Marcelo Zuna if you want, or you can go for pitching, right? And I was talking to Carson about this, I think, yet last night, actually. And I was saying how this is a smart move for Minnesota because, again, great offensive team. They don't need more offensive production. They need pitching. That's always been their fault. Pitching, 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 whether it's in the bullpen or their starting uh, rotation. They can't pitch. Um, and obviously they can't hit in the playoffs, according to last year. But that that could come. That could come and go. Uh, look at what they did with the Yankees. They hit the Yankees pretty well. They just couldn't pitch against them. So if they use their money for that that 7.75 million dollars that they have extra now to pay maybe Nelson Cruz as an extension or to get a good starting pitcher to lead that rotation over Jose Barrios and have Jose Barrios a second guy that would be amazing let's see if they get Trevor Bauer i doubt it because that assumes that the Minnesota front office is smart or playing baseball the right way but instead they're just ignoring their biggest issues and going after offense when their biggest issue is pitching that's besides the point the point is they need to get pitch they need a starting pitcher they need an ace of that rotation they need a, a reliable closer in that rotation so maybe Liam Hendricks would be a good look maybe uh, Trevor Bauer would be a good look um, and there's other starting pitchers that they can get on the uh, uh, on the free agent market that could I guess, uh, fill out that rotation a little bit better. Um, but Liam Hendricks would be amazing for them because they need bullpen help. They could get Liam Hendricks. They could get Blake Trinan because they just freed up Nelson Cruz's contract and Eddie Rosario's contract. So let's see what they do with that. There's rumors that Eddie Rosario is going to be going to the Red Sox to reunite with Alex Cora because Alex Cora was the uh, head coach of the Puerto Rican uh, World Baseball Classic team. And he chose Eddie Rosario to play for him. So... There are rumors he's going to the to Boston, which would be a really good pickup for Boston because I mean losing Mookie Betts that's a huge uh, huge blow to your offense, and JD Martinez is not getting any younger, so his production is going down. So adding Eddie Rosario would be pretty good for Boston, especially because Boston's a hitter's ballpark, um, and I think he would he would thrive in that ballpark. So I think Boston going to Boston would be a good move for both Eddie Rosario and the Red Sox. Uh, so I could see that happening. I could definitely see that happening. I don't see him going to any other team, in all honesty. I can only see him going to Boston, but I wouldn't be surprised if another team picks him up because he's a really good player. He has a cannon of an arm. He's pretty good in the field, and he can hit the ball. He can hit the ball pretty well. Next is Archie Bradley. He's a right-handed pitcher. He played for the Diamondbacks and they got traded to the Cincinnati Reds. He struggled in Arizona, which I think is, let's see, I'm pretty sure Arizona is Arizona Diamondbacks um, Hitters Park. Excuse me. Um, yeah, it's a Hitters Park. So, I mean, that makes sense. So Cincinnati, but he pitched really well in Cincinnati. He didn't throw too much. I think he threw like maybe three innings or seven innings or something like that. 13 maybe. It was a small amount. Um, but he had like a one-something ERA, which is pretty good. Uh, he was being paid $4.1 million for this year. He had a 1.8 F war. Uh, his innings pitch was 18.1. Uh, 2.95 ERA and a whip of 1.91, 1.091, excuse me. Uh, so that gives him ERA plus of 163, which is really good for 4.1 million dollars. I'm very surprised that the Reds non-tendered him because he's a pretty good pitcher, and that's a good way to bolster that bullpen. Um, I know pitching is probably the last thing on their mind because they didn't score a run in like 20-something innings, I think 23 innings in the postseason. But this isn't a big contract. So they definitely could assign Archie Bradley for, what, $5 million probably, I would say. One year, $5 million. 
because I don't. I think this is one of his better years. So you get him for one year, five million dollars. Get a what? Low three ERA in the bullpen, which is pretty solid. Um, and then you just sign a bat like Kyle Schwarber would be a good addition for them. Um, who else would be a good addition for them? Marcelo Zuna. They can go out. I I would say stick to like the middle. The middle free agents, not the top tier, so not a George Springer, not a Trevor Bauer. They're not going to sign a DJ LeMahieu. They're going to get, like, instead of DJ LeMahieu, they'll get Marcus Semien. Or instead of Marcelo Zuna, they'll get Kyle Schwarber. And stuff like that. I could see them getting Kyle Schwarber or maybe even the next guy on the list, Adam Duvall. That would be a good addition for them because they need offense. And Adam Duvall can hit the ball. As you can see, his stats are 237 batting average, 301 on base, and a slugging of 532 for last year. And he had an OPS plus of 113, so above league average. And he's only getting paid $3.25 million. So that's going to be a cheap contract for the Reds. Uh, that would be a good addition for them because they need offense, like I said. Same thing with Schorber. Even though he's being paid $7.01 million a year, after last year, he's going to be very cheap. So that would be another good addition for them. Uh, and it, I guess it depends if the DH will be in the NL because both of them aren't the best in the field. But, I mean, they need offense. They just need offense. Uh, and it, it's looking very, very bad for the Reds if they can't get more offense. Um, but going back to Adam Duvall, the Braves, good move because they don't need offense. They had the best offense in the league, I'm pretty sure, behind the Dodgers. So maybe acquired uh, a middle guy in the rotation to bolster that rotation a little bit more. They have a three-headed horse with uh, Freed, Soroka, and Anderson, but they do need that back end to be a little bit more sturdy because their pitching depth was the reason why they lost against the Dodgers, in my opinion. Uh, their bullpen is looking pretty strong. They just need to re-sign a couple heads um, and maybe acquire uh an Alex Colomay or uh not a Liam Hendricks but someone second tier behind Liam Hendricks. Next is Carlos Rodon. Uh he's a starting pitcher, left-handed pitcher. He was paid 4.45 million dollars last year. He only threw one game, so I I don't know if he only threw in one game, but his inning pitch total was only 7.2 uh 7.2. So that's basically just one game uh his era was through the roof at 8.22 uh 8.22 era and a whip again very bad at 1.565 so he had a really bad year last year very small sample size but still a bad year his era plus was 56 so that's way below league average uh so i think he's gonna be very cheap to sign because you you, you don't get you're not looking at anything good from last year yeah last year was a weird year but still it's gonna hold a pretty large port uh, uh a pretty large weight on the contract that they're gonna be signing especially since teams are broke now uh so Carlos Rodon is gonna be a very cheap acquisition for anyone who needs pitching help it would actually not be bad for the Braves yeah he didn't have a good year last year but he could turn it around uh I could see him throwing up maybe a four, a low four ERA or a high three ERA, and that's pretty good for a four five guy. That's not terrible. That's pretty good, and it would give the the Braves some more pitching uh, depth. So I could see them getting Carlos Rodon, and he's not old. He's pretty young. He's twenty seven, twenty eight. So he's in like his prime years. He could he could shape out to be a pretty solid back end guy for the Braves. Next is Delano DeShields, and the reason why I included him is because he was included in the Corey Kluber trade. So, we said that the Rangers, at first, at first, we said the Rangers fleeced the Indians, right? We said they got Corey Kluber, who was hurt, right? I get that, but he was one of the best pitchers of our time when he was in his prime. For Delano DeShields... Someone who hasn't performed in a his entire career, in all honesty. And Emmanuel Clash, who, yeah, he's a good relief prospect, a relief pitching prospect. And he throws heat, but 
I don't think it was worth Corey Kluber at first. Then the Rangers proved that they're awful at managing a team and let Corey Kluber pitch one inning the entire year. One inning for the entire year of 2020 and then letting him walk. They traded a top prospect, a top relief prospect, and Delano DeShields for one inning of work and nothing in return. And then they let Mike Miner walk to the Kansas City Royals. The The Rangers are just bad. They're just such a bad ran team. Like, poor, very poorly organized orga- uh, team. And just, ah, uh, it's awful. But the reason why I include uh, Delano Shields Jr. is because the Indians acquired him for outfield depth. He didn't really perform that well. He had a 252 batting average, a 310 on base, and a 318 slugging. And that gives him a 71 OPS plus. When you acquire Delano DeShields, you're not going for the bat. You're going to be probably focused on his speed and his fielding abilities, which are pretty top tier. But if you're the Indians, you need some offense because that's why they didn't beat the Yankees. Yeah, Shane Bieber blew up in the first game. Yeah, their pitching staff kind of blew up in the second game. But I think their biggest priority will be their offense. Because the only reason why they won was Francisco Lindor, Jose Ramirez, and that's probably it. So they need to get either maybe a nice uh, homecoming for Michael Brantley. That could be cool. That would be interesting to see. Um, But they're losing Lindor next year. They're going to have to re-sign Jose Ramirez soon. So they have to do something and something quick if they want to persuade Lindor to stay. Which I don't see him staying. I see him actually being traded by the end of the offseason. Besides the point, Delano Shields walks. You're not signing him for his defense. Uh, offense, you're signing him for his defense. Indians don't need defense. They need offense. Next is an outfielder who you'll sign for their offense, actually, even though he had a really bad year last year, Nomar Mazzara. He had one year, $5.56 million, a slash line of 228 295 and 294 which is terrible. God-awful. He had a 64 OPS+. Plus. And he just struggled in Chicago last year. Texas, he he played really well. But in Chicago, he struggled. So he's going to be very cheap, especially putting up that slash line, not having anything in his slash line above 300. So that's uh, that's gross. That's just gross. So he's going to be a very cheap left-handed bat who can hit for power on the left side uh, if he could get back to form. If he could come back to form, he is for a lot of power from the left side. I know he was very liked in Texas. He came to Chicago. I thought that was a great deal for the White Sox, but instead it turned out to be very bad. <laughs> and I don't know. I can see him being signed uh, as a depth player for a big team. I can see him being signed to a rebuilding team or a retooling team, maybe like the, the Red Sox if they don't get Rosario because – you need that offense if he could turn it around. It's a hitter's ballpark. Maybe he'll like Boston. I see him going to a warmer place like in Miami for uh, the left, a left-handed power bat. That would be pretty cool to see. Um, so, yeah, Norman Mazzara, interesting piece. Was good in previous years, really bad last year. But let's see if he could turn it around in 2021. Next is David Dahl, who I have mixed emotions about. I don't know too much about him, but in MLB The Show, I love getting him in, the, in franchise mode. He's a pretty solid left-handed bat, uh, but last year he performed terribly. He had a one-year deal, uh, $2.475 million, with a slash line of 183, 222, and 247. So again, nothing in the slash line above even 250 this time, let alone 300. And that gives him an OPS plus of, wait for it, 19. He had an OPS plus of 19. League average is 100. I said that Nomar Mazar was bad, and he was at 64. David Dahl is at 19. That's ridiculous. I don't see him being signed. I do not see him being re-signed or signed at all because of this. This is terrible. It's awful. Uh, and I just, I just don't like, I just don't see it happening. At all. I'm sorry. I'm very sorry, David Dahl. I like you, but I just can't see it happening. Uh, especially because he played in Colorado. 
He was a Rocky putting up these numbers. So there's no way anyone else is going to give him a chance. There's no way. Going to a right-handed pitcher, relief pitcher, for the Miami Marlins who got non-tendered, Ryan Stanek. He was very cheap at one year, $604,000. Um, and he only pitched 10 innings, right? But his ERA was through the roof at 7.2, and his whip was at 1.9, so that's really bad. Uh, he's almost putting two guys on base per inning, and that gives him an ERA plus of 64, which is pretty bad, for especially for Miami, because Miami is a pitcher's ballpark, I believe. Um, so that's not a good look. He had a .5 F war. I could see him being a like depth relief pitcher for most teams honestly excuse me had a burp excuse me um i could see him being a depth pitcher for most teams but he's not going to be a big piece i just included him because he throws some gas maybe he could turn it around he was pretty solid in uh two years ago or three years ago uh, so hopefully he could turn that around he played for the rays i believe and the Rays flipped him and he played like garbage the Rays always make good moves I don't get it but they flipped him they got some good pieces out of it and now he looks like crap and maybe the Rays could get him maybe the Rays can get him back and fix him honestly I don't think they should but they could moving on we have Jonathan Holder I included him because I'm a Yankee fan and I just know about him he had a pretty good year in 2018 if I remember correctly as I guess just like this depth this depth pitcher role, he had a, a streak of like 20-something straight innings of no-run baseball at one point, and then he kind of fell off the earth, he had a 20, he had a pretty large portion of uh, innings pitched last year at 21.2 in the shortened season, with an ERA of 4.98, and a whip of 1.662, so that leaves him with an ERA plus of 87, just below league average, um, so maybe he gets signed to, I guess, a playoff contender who needs some bullpen help. He could be a good middle relief guy. I could see him going to maybe like a Braves team because, again, bullpen help would be nice for the Braves. He's not going to be amazing for them, but he's going to be some depth. He'll be cheap. He only was worth $750,000 last year. Performed poorly, so he'll probably be around the same, maybe a little bit less. Uh, so I could see him being re-signed. I, not re-signed. I could see him being signed to Atlanta because they need some pitching help. I could see him being signed to, um, let's see, who else needs some pitching depth? Um, I would say the Cubs, but they're bad, so no. Um, maybe the Cardinals, no, the Cardinals don't need it. They, maybe the Mets, I could see him going to the Mets, going to the Queens, going to Queens, the other side of, um, New York. Uh... Tampa doesn't need him. Boston could use him. That would be a good pickup for Boston. Uh, Chicago White Sox have to lose in column A. That would be kind of like a tier C replacement for column A. But, I mean, it's something at least. The Twins could use him. That would be a good pickup for the Twins. The Astros could use him because that bullpen in the regular season was awful. Playoffs, they played pretty well. But in the bullpen in the regular season, they could use that. And the Angels, yeah, like those teams, any team that just needs some bullpen depth would be a good uh, pickup for, well, Holder would be a good pickup for them, for any team that's in a playoff race and just needs some bullpen help. Last, this one's just fun, for me at least, because this guy, he's not an MLB player. He's not even close to becoming an MLB player. The only reason why he was in the MLB last year was because he was number one, not a number one, a first-round pick. For the Kansas City Royals in 2011, taken fifth. He was the fifth overall pick in the 2011 draft, right? He's being paid $568,000 last year. Hit a slash line of 169, 219, and 237 with the OPS plus, wait for it, 25. That's the second lowest OPS plus I have said all this entire list, for this entire list, he had a negative 0.9 F4. That's the lowest F4 that I have mentioned. And now, this is why I included him, right? I just wanted to talk about this. Bubba Starling was taken before players like 
Anthony Rendon, Francisco Lindor, Javier Baez, George Springer, Jose Fernandez, and Sonny Gray. Those are the players that were drafted after him in the first round. This is just the first round. I haven't looked into any other rounds, and I only included the stars. But those are the players that were drafted after him. Rondon was 6th. Lindor was 8th, I believe. Bias was like ninth or something like that. It, I don't... I know it's really difficult to draft. I know it's hard to... Uh, val- not value, but... Um, evaluate players, uh, I guess, accurately. Especially when they're that young. But... You missed out on Rendon, Lindor, Baez, Springer, Fernandez, and Gray. Oh, man. Kansas City. Ah, That's awful. That's really bad. That's really, really bad. Uh, but that's it for the non-tender list. Those are the only players that I really, I guess, thought would be pretty good on teams. They would, they would help the team be a little bit better in the playoffs. Uh, they would help teams make the playoffs and I guess go further in the playoffs uh, so that's all the non-tenders that I thought were important so let's move on to our seasonal tier list um, let me pull it up real quick seasonal tier list 2020 seasonal tier list perfect so last episode we went with the I went with the NL West I had Carson take the AL East right because I wanted to I guess um, make it where we do our favorite teams last. That would be pretty cool. Uh, so let me talk about Carson's rankings of the AL East before I do mine. He texted me them. He said that the New York Yankees, who last year were 33 and 27, were ranked B, right? I don't have his reasoning. I just have his rankings. So... He has the Yankees as B. For me, I'm going to put the Yankees as a B-. And that's because they it was their division to lose, in all honesty. I know Carson predicted the Rays to win the uh, division last year, but I think he just did that because I'm a Yankees fan. And he hates to see me happy. <laughs> um, but I say B-, because, yeah, they made the playoffs. They made the ALDS. They forced the, the Rays to Game 5. Uh, and they lost by one run to Mike Brosser in the bottom of the eighth. It was heartbreaking. And they were one swing away from tying the game and maybe even winning the game. But it was just a bad year. I guess a lot of players just underperformed for the Yankees. Glaber Torres underperformed. Gary Sanchez underperformed. Judge hurt. Stanton hurt. Paxton hurt. Hap overperformed in the regular season. Perform to his potential in the playoffs, though. He played like crap. David Garcia was a good p- piece. LeMahieu, good piece. Voigt, good piece. Um, Mike Talkman, he came back down to earth. Mike Ford came back down to earth. Uh, Clint Frazier, pretty good season. Not too too bad, not too great. Hicks, underperformed. Uh, Chapman, underperformed at first. He found his rhythm towards the end. Jonathan Holder, underperformed. Um, Adam Adovino, underperformed. It was just a lot of underperforming from the Yankees players. So they have a lot of retooling to do. I think they're still a World Series contender. They'll, they'll always be with that roster. But I think they do need a re- retool if they want to make a World Series and win a World Series. Because, yes, World Series contenders every single year because they have some star, star players. But... With Sanchez behind the plate, with the with the outfield issues that they have, having Andujar disgruntled in the minors, having Clint Frazier disgruntled as a bubble player coming up from the AAA and going back down to the AAA all the time, having that bullpen look the way it looked, um, having Tommy Canley as a free agent, like they just have a lot of whole, like a lot of they're like Swiss cheese, right? You use like Swiss cheese great a great uh flavor right they have great flavor great kind of cheese but there's just little holes little tiny holes all throughout the cheese right same thing with the yankees great team right great flavor 
They're a star-studded team. They're they're up front amazing. They have a lot of depth, but do they really? No, I don't think they do. I think their depth is fake. It's kind of like artificial depth. The only reason why they have depth, quote unquote, is because they don't have spaces for their outfields outfielders. Besides that, they don't have many much depth at all. Tyler Wade, Mike Talkman, Mike Ford, come on. Come on. So I give them a B minus. Uh, I don't I'm I was not satisfied with the year that they had. It was pretty rough. Moving on to the Rays. Um Carson put them as a A plus, which, you know, I'm gonna disagree and I'm gonna give them an A plus plus. Okay? I'm gonna put them with the Dodgers because they both made the World Series. I think Yes, the Rays are known to be a very good team, but I don't think many people, yes, some people did, but I don't think many people saw them as a division winner by a large margin. I mean, they were up on the Yankees by seven games. They beat them in the uh, in the seasonal series, I think like, what, 7-2 or something like that? They spanked the Yankees every time they played them, and they were just the best team in the AL, flat out. They were just flat out the best team in the AL. The only reason why they lost to the Dodgers is because Kevin Cash made a bad decision. They were one of the deepest teams in baseball besides the Dodgers. So I got to give the, the Rays an A++ because they exceeded all expectation. They made the World Series and they beat big market teams like the Houston Astros. They beat a big market team in the New York Yankees. They beat another big market team in the Toronto Blue Jays who, I mean, they're not the biggest market team, but they're the only team in Canada, so they're a pretty big market, and the Rays are one of the smallest market teams, so it was a very impressive season for the Tampa Bay Rays, and I could see them, I wouldn't say repeating, but I would say they, what's it called, I, I wouldn't say they repeat uh, as AL champs, but I would say they come close. Um, moving on, I would say that, well, Carson would say the Blue Jays get an S minus which is tied for his highest tier with the Marlins okay um I'm gonna give them the same thing as the Marlins and the Giants as well they're gonna be my highest tier it's gonna be an S minus minus I can't give them that S minus yet because I don't know I just think I just think that the Blue Jays not overperformed, but they beat expectation. They they I guess silenced the haters saying they're too young. They need a couple more years to perform well. Um, they made the second wild card spot. They got spanked by the Rays, but that was expected. No one expected them to beat the Rays at all. Um, maybe I I would have been happier if they made some more noise. They were a little quiet. They're they're young bats, but I mean. What are you going to do? It's the Tampa Bay Rays. They have the best pitching staff in the league. Uh, so I give the Blue Jays an S-minus minus minus because they just performed well all year round. If they could get Vlad Guerrero to reach his, his peak and his potential, I think they're going to be good for a long time. They can make uh, another big acquisition and uh, a big splash in this free agent market. They can get, I wouldn't say Trevor Bauer, even though that would be a good look, but they can get like a George Springer, they can get a JT Romuto, they can get um I, I would say maybe a Liam Hendricks for that that bullpen. Um I would enjoy if they got Trevor Bauer because it would give them a better chance of making it far in the playoffs, but I don't think they could afford that right now. But um last season they just played well. I enjoyed watching the Blue Jays. They were fun. They beat the Yankees a couple times. They they scared the Yankees into uh, a a wild card spot at one point in time. Um and they they just played well, honestly. That the AL East is a very strong division and it's crazy to say that the Red Sox are the worst the worst team in it. The Orioles are god awful, but they performed well last year. So moving on, we'll go to the Orioles. Carson gave them a solid B. So he gave them the same grade as the Yankees, and I'm going to give them, you know what, I'll give them, with a 25-35 and 35 record, I'll give them a B. I'll agree with Carson. I like that. They were very mediocre. Um, yeah, they were bad. 
10 games under 500, bad, right? That that just that makes sense. But the Orioles were you really expecting anything else? No. Not at all. They got off to a hot start in the beginning. They looked really good. They had a couple of um couple of good players. I think Hanser Alberto was one of them who played really well in the beginning. Uh, they looked like a very strong team at the in the first couple games, at first couple weeks actually. They, I I believe they were like one of the best teams in the AL East at the at, at that time. They saw um, Mount Castle. They finally saw Mount Castle uh, debut, who looked great. Their offense was pretty well, good. They're getting Trey Mancini back next year uh, from uh, recovering from cancer. Uh, thank God, because I love Trey Mancini. He's a great great person in the MLB, just a great player to watch, um, so I think they're going to make, they're not going to make a lot of noise, but they'll make some noise, they'll be able to steal some games, they'll be like the Toronto Blue Jays of a couple years ago, where you're like, ah, they're not a threat, but they could steal some games from you and bring you out of a playoff spot, that's going to be the Baltimore Orioles next year, if they can find their middle infield again, because they just let Alberta go, and they let Iglesias go so we'll see how that works out but for this season I give them a B because they perform they perform to expectation no one expected them to do anything else of other than what they did but they played well in the beginning they had just a really bad cold streak at the end moving on we got my least favorite team in the world which I'm going to give a D minus the Boston Red Sox and Carson gives them a D now, the reason why I give the Red Sox a D- is not because they're my least favorite team in the world, but because they sucked. They were awful. And who expected that, right? They didn't make the playoffs last year. Everyone was saying, ah, it was a bad year. They're going to come back. They're going to do better. But listen, actually, no. No, 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 no. The Red Sox aren't a D-. They are just as bad as the Rockies. In my opinion. My opinion. D minus minus. You know what? I changed my mind again. I'm giving him an F plus plus. Right? And here's why. So Carson and I in the beginning said that the that the F tier is only for teams that are hurting baseball. Right? That are just ruining baseball. And now this is why I say the Red Sox are ru- that the Red Sox ruined baseball last year. Okay? They traded Mookie Betts. Okay? That's okay, because he was going to be a free agent this year. There was no way they were going to be able to re-sign him. Their pockets are tight. Um, so that makes sense. I I think they should have traded Mookie Betts. That was the right move to do. But they traded him to the Los Angeles Dodgers, right? So that's strike one for the Red Sox. Why would you trade the, arguably the second best player in the league to an already all-star filled team the Dodgers why would you do that to baseball if they would have lost the World Series the Dodgers that would have been the best team in history in all of sports to lose a championship and you can quote me on that if they would have lost to the Rays last year the Dodgers that would have been the best team in sports history to lose a championship easily easily the Red Sox ruined baseball for that. And on top of that, what do they get out of it? Alex Verdugo. Okay, pretty solid player. And Jeter Downs. Okay, pretty solid player, right? Not bad. But why did they deny Bruzdar Gratterall? Why did they deny that? Why did they decline? Not deny, decline. Why did they decline bruised our Gratterall? And the Twins were like, you know what? Dodgers, give me Kenta Maeda. I'll give you Bruzar Gratterall because the Red Sox don't want him. What? What? You gave up. How old is he? Let's look. Bruised our Gratterall age. Right? Age. Let's look. He's 22, okay? The kid is 22. He was born in 1998. August 1998. I just saw it. You're giving up a 22-year-old. I believe he's 
Left-handed. Is he left-handed? No, he's right-handed. Right. Gratterall, pitcher. Yeah, he's right-handed. Giving up a right-handed pitcher who throws a 100-mile-per-hour sinker with ease, bro. With ease. We saw Blake Trinan do that, and we're amazed when he hit, like, 98, 99. This guy throws 100 on a bad day. His slow days are like, uh, I might just hit 100 today, not 103. And it's a sinker with movement. That piece, Bruzdar Gratterall, was one of the biggest reasons why the Dodgers were able to win the World Series. And that's why I give the Red Sox an F++, because nobody wanted to see the Dodgers win the World Series. Nobody, except for Dodger fans. I can promise you that if you ask anyone who is not a Dodger fan who they wanted to win the World Series this year, none of them said Los Angeles. Yes, I'm happy for them, because they finally did it. They finally got over the hump. They Betts got his second ring. One in the AL, one in the NL. Kershaw finally gets his ring. Bellinger deserved a ring. Turner finally gets his ring. Seager gets his ring. Finally, finally, finally. It's great. Happy for the, the Dodgers. But no one wanted to see that. It's boring. They're the best team by a long shot in the league. There's no, there's no competition. So, the Red Sox, I'm sorry. You get an F++ because you give away your best player, to the lost the the second best player in the league arguably to the Los Angeles Dodgers to the best team in the league by far and then you decline Bruce Dargraderall because oh I don't know uh, he he might get hurt I don't think that he will be um in like his endurance won't be too great his durability is low because he throws 100 miles per hour from the right side no, 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 no. You take that chance, especially when you're trading bets. You get Jeter Downs, Verdugo, and Gratterall, and you decline it? What? What? No sense is being made in my head. Let's say you don't get Jeter Downs. You get Bruzdar Gratterall. You need the pitching anyway. You don't need the shortstop Jeter Downs. Why? You have Xander Bogarts. You have Bogarts. It makes no sense. You have Verdugo to replace a Betts in right field. Cool. He's not going to be anything close to Betts, but it's decent. You trade away David Price. Yeah, he wasn't that great, but you need pitching. Whether it's a starting pitcher or it's a relief pitcher. They had the worst rotation in the league last year. And that says a lot because they're in the same division as the Orioles. They, you have the Rangers. You have the Marlins. You have teams like, let, let's think of other teams that are just terrible. The Royals. You have the Tigers. Ah, oh, The Red Sox. Guys, come on. You're better than that. And I say that as a Yankee fan. You're better than that. That was awful. That was just terrible. Alright. So my seasonal tier list is done. I'll read you through. My highest ranks are the Miami Marlins, the San Francisco Giants, and the Toronto Blue Jays. All at S-. minus minus. My only S tiers. My other team, my second place teams are the Dodgers and the Rays at A+++. At A are the Chicago White Sox and the Seattle Mariners. A minus the Padres. A minus minus the Braves. B plus plus the Indians. B plus the Royals and Cardinals. A B, I have four teams. The Twins, the Astros, the Athletics, and the Orioles. B minus the Yankees. B minus minus the Reds. C plus the Angels. C the Cubs. C minus minus the Mets. D plus Nationals. D, Brewers and Phillies. D minus minus the Diamondbacks and the Rockies. F plus plus the god awful Red Sox. F plus the Rangers. F the Tigers. And the worst team in my tier list at F minus the Pittsburgh Pirates. Now, moving on to Carson because we haven't finished his. We'll go to the NL West. We're going to do his favorite team last. The Diamondbacks, he put as D, right? He put the Diamondbacks as D. I have no reason for that. I have no idea why he has them at D, but I would assume it's because they sign Madison Bumgarner and then they play like crap, and that's honestly just the main reason. They just look bad. They look terrible. Trade 
Archie Bradley pitches terribly for you. You trade him. He throws a sub-2 ERA, right? You sign Cole Calhoun to throw up some good numbers for you. He doesn't. You sign Madison Bumgarner to ace that rotation. He aces your minor league rotation at best. It Probably your double-A rotation at best. So they just did really bad. For the Rockies, he gave them a D plus. Again, he didn't tell me his reasoning. But I would assume it's because all the Nolan Arenado rumors, he he has a terrible relationship with the front office. Um, they performed really poorly. Charlie Blackman was batting 500 and then barely batted over three, I think, if he did at all. Let's see. He batted, he was batting over 500 in, like, August. Um, Charlie Blackman stats. Last year, he batted 303. Yeah, last year he batted 303. There was a point in time where Blackman was batting 500, uh, fighting for the batting title. And then he went down all the way to 303, barely batting over 300. Nolan Arenado played, like, doo-doo. Um, they just look bad. David Daw was awful. We went over that earlier. Just a bad team. Bad team. Now we get into the crazier part of his uh, predictions. The San Diego Padres at S minus, even with the Marlins Blue Jays. So, I assume it's because Fernando Tatis Jr. played amazingly. Machado played amazingly. Eric Hosmer re- rekindled or retooled his swing and looked great. Tommy Pham looked good. Um, Trent Grisham recreated himself in San Diego after the error in Milwaukee. Their pitching staff was pretty good with uh, Mike Clevenger as the ace, Donaldson Lamette as the two, and Chris Paddock as the third. You have the bullpen looking good with Trevor Rosenthal. He recreated himself in San Diego. You trade for Austin Nola. Just overall, you look great as the San Diego Padres, so, and they, they fought with the Dodgers, I mean, they weren't too far off with the Dodgers, let's see, they were, what, six games back, with a 6-17 winning percentage, that's pretty, that's pretty good, that's pretty good for my, for my opinion, that's solid, very solid, the Los Angeles Dodgers, he has as an S tier, okay, um, I assume it's because you get bets, you get Bruce Dog Gratterall, you get Blake Trinan, you win the World Series, you look, you're the best team in baseball by a long shot, you come back from a 3-1 series deficit against the Braves in the ALCS, excuse me, NLCS, you beat the Rays in six games, you just did everything right this year. The Dodgers did literally everything right this year. You know what, speaking of, I'm moving my Dodgers, I have to because, like, they just performed too well not to, um... I'm going to also move them to an S just because they did everything right. They just did everything so well. Uh, I can't I can't give them anything less than an S. So they're my highest rated team at S. Same thing with Carson. And then the San Francisco Giants. Here is where it gets interesting for Carson. I can speak for him a little bit. Actually, you know what? Let's see if he's available. I'm going to face the, uh, He actually might be taking a final. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to ask him to send in a little rant, and then I'll include it in. So here is Carson's rant about the San Francisco Giants and why he made them an S+. So basically, the reason why I give the Giants an S-plus rating is because they turned an absolutely destitute franchise that lost its main attraction that has been hitting in two years' Buster Posey and almost made the playoffs through a bunch of team, but a bunch of reclamation projects and players that I haven't heard from in years. That is the ideal point of what you can do for a franchise that wants to make either contend in the future or rebuild because you now have a bunch of options that you can now sell away for high prospects to really energize championship quality teams in the future or build on the one you have now that maybe you don't want when you a championship but will give you the ability to build on this team by accessing higher levels of stars. You have a ton of depth on that roster and a bunch of great players who know how to play baseball and play it the right way. The organizational culture has promoted teams to really be team players to be the best that they can be and to truly break out with the Giants uniform. All right. So with all that being said, thanks, Carson, for sending in your voice message. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have on this episode for Loaded Talk. 
And if you enjoyed what you're hearing, make sure to follow us on Twitter at Loader underscores talk, where we put out show updates, our baseball opinions, and retweet slash tweet out baseball news in real time. I'm going to be a little bit more. Uh, I'm going to try to be a little bit more active on that Twitter. It was really difficult for me for this last month. I've been very busy with school, uh, very busy with work, very busy with driving home from North Carolina, being uh, helping out family, a bunch, bunch of stuff, the holidays. It's been a very busy time for me. But I'm going to be trying to uh, be a little bit more active on that Twitter. And on our Twitter, we have our link tree pinned to the top of the page where you can see us excuse me, you can send us audio clips through anchor.fm of what you think about today's topics, the same way Carson just did about the Giants, and that's at loaded underscore talk on Twitter, and we want to start incorporating you in our episodes, so thanks for listening, we can't wait to listen to some of you, and that's going to do it for season one, season one's over, next week there will be no episode, uh, and I'll be uploading a new episode around probably the winter meetings, or maybe the new year. Have a happy holidays, guys. I hope you enjoyed your Thanksgiving. Have a very Merry Christmas and an even better New Year. Let's get out of 2020 on a high note. Carson and I are signing off for the last time in Season 1.